0: Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. We thank you uh, that it opens up to us what you have done for us in Jesus. Father, please, by your spirit now, please so move in each of us that as we hear your word read, as we read it on the page, that it won't just be words on a page or words that we're hearing, but that it might come alive in us uh, that you might bring this to life for each of us, that we might see something more of, well, Father, of um, the, the depths of our own sin and neediness before you, uh, but the overwhelming and wonderful grace you have showered on us in Jesus. Father, please do that now. We pray for hearts that are ready to receive your word. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam who is a pattern of the one to come but the gift is not like the trespass for if the many died by the trespass of the one man how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ consequently just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people for just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners so also through the obedience of the one man the many Will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
0: Well, friends, uh, this is one of, uh, it's a, a, a complex passage before us. Uh, what we're going to try and do today is uh, see a little bit of what's going on here. It's one of, the, uh, one of those kind of complex passages with uh, lots of things happening in it. But before we get there, uh, you, probably, you probably know, and you, uh, some a slide should come up, Uh, behind us. Uh, There's a bit of a trend recently, you're probably aware of this trend recently towards finding out about your ancestry. There's shows about it, you can go on ancestry.com. Actually I found out this weekend, just a hot tip, Uh, you can go on and if you haven't signed up to ancestry.com you can for free this weekend only find out if you've got convicts in your ancestry. Um, Not that many of us in South Australia would be able to Uh, That would be uh, something that would have in our ancestry, but perhaps you have roots in another state. Um, uh, It's helped by these kind of online records, right, that you can search. Uh, uh, You don't need to wade through large books of births, deaths and marriages. You can just do a quick internet search and find out what's going on in your your family history. Uh, If you've done that before, you'll recognise how deeply shaped you are by choices that other people have made how deeply shaped you are in your history by things that other people have done that you had no say over whatsoever, right? My ancestors came to Australia mostly from Great Britain. Uh, The the first of them to come out here were the Logan family. Uh, They left Ireland in the 1830s because of severe conditions there. And I feel a bit ripped off, really, because I had no say in that decision, right? Uh, I had no say in that decision, Uh, The first of them, uh, they came out here, they didn't ask me whether they could bring their family out to Australia, but there it is, 1830s. But do you see how that one decision has fundamentally shaped who I am, right? It's fundamentally shaped who I am. That moment the Logans hopped on a boat to Australia, they made a decision that would impact not just them, but all the generations that came after them. Um, it's kind of, it goes against a little bit that's of a mindset that's in our culture, right? I don't know if you've picked this up. In, in Western societies, uh, we have more of an individualist kind of mindset where each of us, are, we're, we are fundamentally individuals who choose who we are, who, who choose our own destiny, right? You are who you want to be. Uh, I can be whoever I want to be. Uh, But the more you kind of look back at your own history, and I know there's some here who've done that, who've sort of done extensive research into your own history, the more you do that, you you kind of realise, don't you, just how deeply wrong that assumption is, that mindset that I'm just an autonomous individual, I just choose uh, everything about my own life. Um, You kind of realise how deeply wrong that is. Each of us is so shaped. I mean, we have a little bit of a say in our, our decisions, but we're so deeply shaped by this long history that we sort of uh, have been dropped into in a way <laughs> that we just find ourselves in, that we had no say in. our friends, Romans, 12, uh, Romans 5, 12 to 21 that we just had read, uh, it makes a stunning claim. It, it makes a claim to trace back our ancestry, uh, but it makes a claim to trace it back to the very beginning, to the very beginning, to tell the greatest story Story of not just the Logan family, the Andrews family, whatever family you're from, but of the human family to tell the greatest story that we all share in. If you are with us last week, we saw how Paul kind of zoomed in on all the incredible blessings that flow out of being right with God through faith in Jesus, being at peace with God, having a great hope for the future uh, for, of salvation um, we saw all that last week, but here as we get to the second part of this chapter, it's kind of like Paul does, the, he, he's, he pans right back. He's zoomed in to see all these amazing riches that we have in Christ. But now he pans the camera right back to the biggest picture uh, so that we can see more clearly what it is that we have in Christ and how we have that, why we can have that at all. Uh, friends, what we're going to do is... Uh, as, we, as we read through this passage, we're going to see how that kind of flows through. And hopefully there's a bit of an outline uh, in front of you, if you've got one of these, that might help you make sense of some of this uh, passage. But if you have your Bibles open, that'll really help as well as we read through it. Uh, Paul opens here, as, as we move into this passage, he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Uh, he does something here uh, that Paul does a few times in his letters. It's a little bit frustrating for us. He kind of starts on one train of thought. Uh, and then you might notice it in your Bibles. You, you think, well, this doesn't seem to finish. He seems to get distracted by something else. We'll go on to that in a minute. Uh, he does come back to this thought. But right at the start here, uh, he, he opens up this uh, this whole uh, idea about um, being connected to Adam. He, he opens the first chapters of Genesis. He goes back to the right at the beginning of the Bible's story and talks about the first humans, Adam and Eve. Also, he focuses on Adam as the one who bore responsibility in what they did. Um, the very name Adam, if you see it there, the very name Adam, it in itself means a, a man, a, a human. It means it means man. And There's a hint right from the start that, that this guy that Paul's talking about isn't just another guy, he's not just another man. He's kind of bigger than that. He, he's a representative. He's a representative man. Uh, but Adam and Eve are created in right relationship with God. If you know the story back in Genesis 1 to 3, Adam and Eve are created to in right relationship with God. Uh, they're created to be dependent and thankful people, living under God's good and life-giving rule. And Genesis, it tells the story of the great tragedy of how the first humans rejected God. They didn't trust him. Instead, they decided to go their own way against his commands. And that one decision made by them in Genesis, if you know the story, it unleashes a tidal wave of tragedy, a tidal wave of death. It's the most catastrophic decision that's ever been made. And here back in Romans, Paul says, well, Paul says this tidal wave, this, this, this unleashing that happened with Adam has three stages. So you see it there in verse 12. Uh, just to sort of go through it quickly, he says, uh, sin entered the world through one man. So one man's sin, Adam sinned. But then he says, and death through sin.'" Uh, in the Bible's story, death comes as the consequence of, the penalty for our sin, for our rejection of God. Uh, and then the third stage he goes through, and then that kind of spreads to all, to all people. Adam, What Adam did opens the door. Uh, it opens the door to sin and death, which spreads to everyone. Now, what's going on here, friends? Uh, it's a really important phrase, the one that says, death came to all people because all sinned. You see that at the end of verse 12 there. Death came to all people because all sinned. How can one man's action mean that death spreads to everyone? Well, some people have read this and said, uh, it's kind of like Adam is the first bad example he made the mistake and everyone else kind of just chooses to follow his mistake ever since. Uh, Adam was a bad example that we've all followed. Uh, there's something to that, but there's actually, I think, something much deeper going on here that we'll see as we go through. It's not just that Adam is a, made a bad mistake and everyone happens to sort of copy him. Uh, in some real and deep sense, what Paul's getting at is that we we actually all share in Adam's decision, in his sin. Uh, when he sinned, we sinned. We sinned in him. Uh, you, you get that idea, down. In, we'll look at this a bit later, but down in verse 18, if you've got your Bible open, uh, Paul says, One trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. And uh, then in, in verse 19 there, and we saw it in the kids' talk, uh, through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. The many were made sinners. See, Adam doesn't just pass on a bad example. He passes on a sinful and broken family inheritance. He passes on a massive, unpayable debt to all his future generations. And it's not just a debt, though. It's a brokenness that goes right to our very core, a genetic sinfulness uh, that we just have that we can't do anything about. We saw last week, if you're here again, we saw last week how Jesus came to us, Paul says, when we were powerless. Uh, But not only when we were powerless, when we were enemies of God. He kind of highlights both this way in which in our sin we are both victims and villains, if you remember that from us. We're both victims of sin and villain, villains in sin. It's, and you get the same idea here. We inherit something that we have no say over and that leaves a deep brokenness within us. But each of us also willingly take part in that inheritance, in that sin. Uh, in Adam's sin, we sinned. Uh, it's kind of like uh, one of uh, a really helpful picture of this, I think, is if you think about uh, this idea of humanity as kind of like a Christmas tree, you know, you, you know the Christmas tree, and uh, if anyone's got some, oh, I'll get to that in a moment, we, we might have some Christmas trees come to the bonfire tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, uh, it's kind of if you've still got it hanging around. You, know, you, have, you, know, you probably don't at this time of year. but It's kind of like a Christmas tree. Uh, you know what a Christmas tree is, right? Um, a Christmas tree looks so alive, especially if you've got all the decorations around it, you've got foil sort of twirling around it. Uh, A Christmas tree looks so lively, but in reality, well, it's dead, isn't it? The Christmas tree itself is actually dead. It's been cut off from its life source. Uh, You can dress it up. You can make it look beautiful. But fundamentally, it is still... It's cut off. It's cut off from its life source. It's decaying. Uh, And eventually, if it's still hanging around the house in in June... You take it to Steve's block and put it on a bonfire, right? <laughs> a Christmas tree. It, uh, the Christmas tree is, uh, it looks alive, uh, but there's a deep reality to it that is actually cut off from its life source. And th- that's a, I, th- I find that a uh, helpful image for what Paul's talking about here this idea of humanity actually cut off from its life source. Okay, this is a big issue, and it's a complex one. Um, we're going to keep reading, though, and see how Paul sort of plays it out as he goes along. Uh, if, you, if you can see there, verse 13, uh, this ties into what Paul's saying, and, and he gets distracted at this point and goes into this other issue, but it connects. Hopefully we'll see that. Uh, the issue of the, uh, Through Romans, we've seen the issue of the Old Testament law is never far from Paul's mind. Uh, the laws that God gave to the people of Israel... Uh, he cut, sort of cuts into his train of thought at this point and says, How does all this relate to those laws, to the law? Uh, particularly, if death is a punishment for sin, right? And if sin is breaking God's laws, uh, what about that whole time before the law was given? What about the whole time before the law was given? Uh, You can read in verse 13 there, he says, To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's accounts when there is no law. It's this kind of idea of uh, uh, charging to someone's account, the idea of a a punishment that you get for breaking the rules. And so if there's no rules, what's going on there? You you don't have that specific punishment. Uh, And that kind of sin, Paul's saying, it's, it's not possible to sin like that. Before the law was given, but death still reigned. If you read through Genesis, you see that the most striking thing uh, some of the, there's, there's these genealogies in the early chapters of Genesis, and some of them are really incredible. And you that you get distracted by the long um, number of years that people live, but actually, what we're meant to see is at the end of every one of them, <laughs> and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Death still reigns over this time before the law was given. Uh, So what's going on here? Uh, Basically, I think he's saying the same thing as what he said in verse 12, and that's this, that sin is much deeper than we think. Sin is much deeper than we think. It's much deeper than breaking the rules. Uh, It's not simply breaking the rules, and we'll get to God's law later on, how that relates. It's not simply that. It's a breaking of relationship, a breaking of relationship, a refusal to worship God as God. Instead, we make our idols that we can manipulate. We read about that way back in chapter 1 of Romans. And that's why death reigned, even between Adam and when the law was given with Moses because everyone sinned. They might not have broken an explicit command of God, but they shared in Adam's deep sin, his brokenness, his rebellion against God. And Paul's point is it's the same for every human in Adam's family. Adam is the head of humanity. He kind of acts for us. Uh, And all of us are in him. In him, in his, we share his sin, we share his rejection of God. Okay, uh, at this point, uh, it's a pretty stark kind of picture that Paul's painted, right? But it's not actually the main points of what Paul wants to go on to say. Uh, he's highlighting this reality, this reality that all of us, are, uh, we share in this family inheritance. Not a good inheritance, <laughs> uh, an overwhelming debt and sinfulness that is ours in Adam. He highlights Adam's sin, though, just so that he can highlight, well, what does he say at the end of verse 14? Uh, Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Uh, even uh, Even though those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come? All of that about Adam, all of that is just meant to say, as bad as that is, there is another one, another man, another Adam, the one to come. All right, uh, how are we going? Up to verse 15 there. Uh, verse 15, this one to come. And from this point, you see in the outline there, what Paul does is he contrasts Jesus and Adam. He, he says how, how these guys are so different from each other. Jesus and Adam. They have a different motivation, first of all, verse 15 there. Um, Jesus, the second Adam. Uh, let's read verse 15. The gift is not like the trespass. Uh, the trespass. If, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gifts that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? There is a totally different motivation between these two representative men, Adam and Christ. You get that even just in the words they use. Uh, Jesus, the second Adam, came as a gift of God's grace. We saw last week how Jesus' coming was the ultimate expression of God's love and his kindness and his compassion and his forgiveness. That's what motivates this second man. But what motivates Adam? Well, Jesus brings a gift. But what does Adam bring? A trespass. A self-centred act of rebellion. A rejection of God. A sin overflowed to all people. But did you notice this? The gift of God's grace in Jesus... It doesn't just flow out. Sin kind of flowed out from Adam to all people. The gift of God's grace in Jesus overflowed. It more than matches sin. And it brings about a totally different result. Let's keep reading verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift of Followed many trespasses and brought justification. And that's what we've been looking at all the way through Romans this transferring of being under God's condemnation to being made righteous, to being given justification. Uh, these two men have different motivations, they have different results. One leads to condemnation, the other leads to, just, to life and, and being right with God. And they also have different eternal results. You get that uh, in verse 17 there. Uh, For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. I think what Paul's getting at there is both physical death but also the underlying spiritual death that causes it, our disconnection from God. Uh, Death reigned through the one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It's kind of like if you uh, just go with me on this. It's kind of like if you're at the top of a large mountain. If Adam's at the top of a large mountain and throws down a stone down the mountain, uh, and starts with his one action, this huge avalanche, okay, and totally demolishes one, you know, the side of the mountain. If you can picture that, Um, relatively easy to do, right? To start it off, to throw the stone down the mountain. It's kind of like what's on view here uh, is that uh, uh, Jesus is standing down the bottom of the mountain at the bottom of this avalanche with all the mess at his feet. Uh, It would be impossible to undo an avalanche, right? If you've seen the kind of results of a big one, I mean, it's totally impossible. But that's exactly the kind of impossible undoing uh, that's going on here, right? Jesus does something so much harder than what Adam did. Adam got the ball rolling, but Jesus does the impossible thing. He, no, he doesn't just reverse, can you even imagine it? He's reversing the avalanche. He makes everything better than it was before. Um, death reigned, but Jesus reverses the avalanche. Do you notice that in verse 17? Uh, there's something else, though, in there. There's something really remarkable In verse 17, at the end of it there, did you notice you expect to say death reigned, but now because of Jesus, what happens? You expect it to say life reigns or Jesus reigns, right? What does it actually say? There's an incredible surprise. With Adam as our head, uh, with Adam as the one who acts for us, we are enslaved to death, but with Jesus as our head... with Jesus as the one who acts for us, his victory is so complete, his grace is so amazing and overwhelming that in some incredible way, we share in his reign. We share in it. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, how much more will all those who are in Christ reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We're going to draw some threads together in a moment, friends. I know there's a lot going on in this passage, but uh, let's stay with it for a moment. We'll finish off the rest. Um, So what's Paul done at the moment? He's uh, sort of set up. He's introduced us to Adam. Uh, He's then gone on to say how Adam is so different from Jesus uh, but back in, if you get to verse 18, he kind of picks up his train of thought that he started at. We talked before about how uh, Paul does this a bit. He kind of starts something then moves on to something else. He, he's coming back to it here in verse 18. So it's similar to the start of the passage in verse 12. Uh, Just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. You get the picture here. Paul said how Adam and Jesus are different. Here he's saying how they're the same. It's a, basic, it's a simple point. They're both the one man who, who acts for us instead of us. They're both one man acting for us. Uh, it's an incredible um, picture we get in verse uh, 18. But what's going on here, you might have picked up as you read through, there's this little phrase, all people uh, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Uh, some have thought that's meant what, what they call universalism, which uh, basically is a, a kind of teaching that says everyone's going to be saved in the end. It doesn't matter whether you've accepted Jesus or not, uh, God's grace will win out in the end and everyone will be saved. But if you've been reading Romans up to this point, right, uh, that should uh, raise a few uh, kind of alarm bells for you. Uh, It should make you think that it doesn't quite fit with everything else Paul has been saying through Romans up to this point. Uh, You've got to get Paul's whole argument at this point about how Jesus and Adam... Are, two, are the heads of two different families. And we saw that in the kids' talk. They're the, they're the heads of two different families. The founding fathers of two different ways of being human. Uh, every person is already in Adam. We're all born into that. We share in his sin and his death. The Gospel of Jesus is the great announcement that Jesus has started this new Family, this new people with him as its head. And, and w- when we get that, what Paul says here I think makes sense, right? All people in Adam, that is to say everyone, everyone who's ever lived, we're all in Adam in this sense. All of us were made sinners and received condemnation. And all people in Christ, all people in Christ, those who have received his gift of salvation and righteousness, all people who are in him, who are, who have kind of been grafted out of the old dying Christmas tree and grafted into the new living tree of Jesus, all people in Christ are made righteous because of his obedience to God. Um, I hope that kind of uh, makes sense of that. I think the, uh, it's not talking about a kind of universal salvation for everyone. It's saying all people who are in each of these receive what their head gives them. Um, okay, again, uh, we're kind of skimming through here and I want to uh, just quickly draw some thoughts together. Um, let's keep reading, though, through into verse 20. Uh, Paul, said, Paul kind of returns to this whole idea of the law. Um, and basically, I think what's going on in Paul's sort of thinking is if, the, if this is really the key distinction in all of, all of humanity, if all that really matters in the, is in the end is if you're in Adam or in Christ, then what's the whole point of the law? Why the whole history of Israel, why would God give uh, his law to the Israelites? Um, there's more to say about this. Paul's going to go on and talk a lot about this later in, this, in Romans. Uh, but what he says here, he says, the law was given, uh, you can read it there in verse 20, so that the trespass might increase. bit of a, a tricky little phrase, but you get what it's saying, right? The moment you see a sign that says, don't walk on the grass, what do you want to do? <laughs> you, you want to walk on the grass, right? Or you know. At The moment you kind of, uh, the, the law makes clear what we shouldn't do, right? It, uh, it highlights when you don't do what the law says. The law makes sin more visible. It kind of puts a spotlight on our sin, on our failure to live as God wants us to. It shows us that what we need, ultimately what Paul's saying, the law shows us what we need is not a little bit more efforts, is not a little bit more gumption, not, it's not trying harder, What we need is a saviour. We need grace. And that's exactly what we get at the end of that passage, where sin increased under the law, kind of shone that spotlight on sin, where sin increased. Grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, you might notice at the top of the outline there, I've given this sermon a bit of a heading. I call it Rival Reigns, and hopefully we've got some sort of idea of, uh, of why I've called it that. Uh, it's true in a sense, right? There's two different heads of humanity of people, Adam and Jesus, two different kingdoms, two different people to belong to, two different reigns. But if you read verse 21, uh, I get the feeling that there's another sense in which it's not, a deep, in a deeper way, uh, it's not really true, is it, to say that they're rival, right? It's not as if there's this titanic struggle between sin and grace and you're never quite sure which one's going to win out in the end. They're not kind of rivals in that sense. Once you see Jesus... Once you see the overwhelming reality of God's grace, you'll see that there is no competition. Where sin increased, grace just super increased. <laughs> increased all the more. Sin brings death. Grace brings not just, not just life in a place of death, but eternal life. At the end of the day, life in Christ, with Jesus as our head, that is life. Uh, that is certain that grace reigns. Grace has the last word. Friends, uh, we're going to I just want to draw a few things out from this as we finish up. Uh, returning to this question of who, who do you think you are? Right? Who do you think you are? Each of us has our own story. Hopefully at the end of the day, we've seen through Romans 5 that uh, Paul's trying to open our eyes to the biggest story, the, f- the family story that we all share in. We we're all born in Adam. Paul's teaching about Adam here and uh, our humanity in Adam is what gets called original sin. You might have heard that phrase, original sin. It's not popular, uh, but it's necessary, actually. It's, it's necessary for us. We need to teach it to each other, we need to teach it to our kids. Uh, this is the reality of our world. No one else is going to say this. You won't get taught it in school. I doubt we'll hear much about original sin over the next few weeks as we head to July 3 and the election. There's probably not going to be much about it said, but according to Romans, it is the single, one single defining reality of all humanity. The one thing that shapes us more than anything else is that we are in Adam. And life in Adam, Paul says, is one where sin and death reign. And friends, all of us know that, don't we, to different degrees. We all feel the reality of this life in Adam. Some of us are feeling the effects of our sin right now of our rebellion against God right now. Some of us are grieving the reality of death right now. Friends, one reason we don't like this teaching is that it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Uh, If we are in Adam... In this rule of sin and death, how can we not despair? Uh, The reign of sin and death, if we really look at it openly, it seems so cruel and so all-encompassing, doesn't it? I mean, uh, perhaps, uh, certainly my experience, if you really look at the reality of the brokenness of this world, if you... Uh, really reckon with the reality of death in this world? It seems so like uh, an unstoppable force. But do you see what Paul opens up for us here as we've read through? I know it's been a complex passage but do you see the, the bright and stunning light that shines out of it? Friends, the stunning reality of Romans 5 is that no matter how fierce this reign of death and sin seem to us, no matter how much we feel in their grip, there is another reign, another kingdom, the reign of grace under Jesus, our risen King. And this new reign, this new identity, this new human family, can we get the, the significance of what Paul's saying here? This new reign of grace. It's actually more real, more powerful, more lasting, more all-embracing than the one that we experience in Adam. It actually is. We saw that as we went through. It doesn't just replace it as if it might be nice to be in Adam, but now it's, you know, it's kind of nice to be in Jesus. No, it doesn't just replace it. It utterly overcomes it. As terrifying as sin and death are, and they are terrifying, they are nothing compared to God's overflowing, overwhelming grace. The kingdom of Adam is like that Christmas tree. It won't last it is dead. The kingdom of God's grace, friends, is the true reality in this world. It may at times seem small and ineffective, but it is the true, work, the true power at work in this world, and it will triumph. Because of Jesus, grace really does reign. Ah, so in this biggest picture... Can you see how only one thing matters at the end of the day? Who are you in? (laughs) Are you in Adam? Or are you in Christ? In Adam, we are more sinful than we could ever know. In Christ, do you see that we are more loved and forgiven and secure and righteous than we could ever grasp. Everything Everything that we have, all our sin and guilt and shame, he takes from us. And everything he has, all his life and righteousness and grace, he gives to us. Do you see what that means, friends? There is always more grace in God than there is sin in us. Always. There is always more grace in God than there is death in the world. Always. And his kingdom will triumph. Believe it. God's grace is more powerful than any sin, any brokenness. His grace will satisfy your thirsty soul. One day grace will finally bring an end to all suffering and sin and death And we'll bring in a new heaven and a new earth where every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. That's the hope that we have in Christ. Let's pray together, friends. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for uh, the way in which your word opens our eyes to the reality of this world. The reality of our own hearts. Lord, there are things here that are difficult to understand. Give us the humility and grace to receive them, though, Father. Please, humble us before your mighty word. Uh, Father, um, for each of us, Lord, we just pray, Father, that uh, we will reckon rightly with the reality of who we are in Adam, who we were in Adam. And who we are now in Christ. For any who have not received Christ as Lord, Father, please reveal yourself to them by your spirit. And may they put their faith in Jesus even today and enter into his family. Lord, the way of Adam is the way of death, but the way of Jesus is the way of your grace and eternal life. We thank you for that. We rejoice in it. Lord, may we continue to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.